Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. Winning the title division of a dance competition has been the goal of many dancers over the years, but depending on the event, this honor may not be as meaningful as it sounds. Joining us today to discuss the pros and cons of the title division are former studio owner and IDA judge Maria Pomerlow and competition team director Dana Jenneret. Happy holidays and happy new year from Making the Impact. It's Courtney and I am your host and I'm here today with my co-host Leslie Mueller. Happy holidays and happy new year, Courtney. Yeah, I can't believe that it is time for a brand new year. That is wild and crazy. What is 2023? Like, I don't <laughs> even know. That's that's the future. <laughs> the future is coming. It is about to be here in just a the few days. The future is here. <laughs> I don't even know. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the rest of season four to, mm-hmm. to finish up. I mean, I say finish up like we're just smack in the middle of it. So we have yes. tons and tons more episodes coming for you this season. But I hope everybody's been enjoying a nice holiday break, a nice little break from the routine, uh, because I know we have. Yes, I definitely have. I've been spending some time over the holidays in Maryland with my family and uh, enjoying that family time, seeing some friends as well, celebrating Christmas. And I will be in New York City for New Year's, which is always so much fun to celebrate in New York. I mean, it's definitely wild and crazy in New York on New Year's. And sometimes I don't leave my apartment, to be quite honest with you, because (laughs) (laughs) that's the best kind of New Year's there is in New York City. Yeah, you you have to avoid Times Square at all costs, unless you're like one of those select people that get to enjoy Times Square or like get a gig that's overlooking Times Square or something. But like, uh, you can't even get anywhere near the ball drop on New Year's in New York City. So you either have to like stay in your borough in your neighborhood and celebrate with the locals or try to get downtown and not hit get through Times Square because it's wild and crazy. Just watch it on TV. That'll be that will be plenty. plenty Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I can't wait to celebrate the new year. I'm looking forward to 2023. And speaking of the new year, that means that there are resolutions. Ooh, what's -hmm. your resolution, Leslie? Do you have one? (sighs) Courtney, (laughs) Listeners, Courtney just completely put me on the spot here because I feel like every year December creeps up on you. You know, you're just like all of a sudden Thanksgiving's over and then you're like, what is happening? It's the new year. So a new Mm -hmm. year's resolution. I mean, honestly, I feel like I've been saying this for several years, but there hasn't been a a really way to make it happen um, is to get back into dance class. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've finally had a third surgery, which I hope will has has done the trick to fix my ankle problem. And I would love to just get back into a ballet class or two and just kind of enjoy movement again for movement's sake uh, without any pain. So that's a resolution and sort of like a holiday wish for me. <laughs> yeah, I want that wish for you too. And I feel like that this time last year when we re- were recording this episode of season three at around the same time frame, that was your resolution. Last I know, year. <laughs> I think it was. And I'm like, man, I have not I had not have not been able to achieve that resolution. So maybe maybe another resolution is just to enjoy everything the city has to offer yes. you know i know i'm not going out for new year's eve but i do want to go mm-hmm. see some more shows in the new year and just take advantage of everything new york city has because you know yes. not some, some of us aren't going to live here forever uh <laughs> yeah. and and i would love to just you know be out and about and do all the cool things that it has to offer 
Yeah, I think we have the identical resolutions this year. And I do actually remember saying last year that I wanted to take advantage of the city more. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think I did more than usual, I'd say, when it comes to seeing shows. Like there was a point in time right before I left for my summer teaching travels that I was just playing the lottery for Broadway you shows You were. You play the lottery day. constantly. Yes. And you won quite a bit. Yeah. I saw some cheap shows. I saw some fantastic shows. I was just in Vegas in November with Revel and I went and saw three different shows out there. Like I'm just, I want to take advantage of our arts community and support them and be inspired as well. And it is so refreshing and exciting to you know, we are we are so fortunate and so lucky to live in this amazing city that has art surrounding us that I want to take advantage of that more. So I'm going to continue on with that uh, resolution this year. And I also am like really trying to get motivated to train in like Latin and salsa dance. Yes, I yes. want to do that. It is, I've been talking about it for a long time. And there's so many resources around me in Queens and in New York City that I just want to like just do it. I want to make like put it in my schedule weekly. Yes, Either it's it like a group class or a private class, but I just want to learn the technique of salsa and Latin ballroom. So that is a goal of mine this year. I can't wait for it. All right. Well, let's let's hold each other to it and we'll do season five resolution and look back and see if either yep. one of us did anything we said we wanted to do. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so we are talking all about the title division today, and that's a hot topic, I think, in the competition industry and something that our Facebook group has uh, really seemed like they wanted to hear all about. There was a recent post uh, regarding title and asking questions about title, and it just blew up, and I said, you know what, maybe we should finally do an episode on the title division. So here we are. Uh, Can't wait to talk about it. But before we jump into the episode, we have to tell you about our sponsor for this one, and that is Apollo Performance. Are you looking for the perfect gift for your dancer this season? I have a recommendation from my feet. Get them Apollo Shocks. They are not only amazing footwear that protect and support your feet, but they are all female-owned, 100% made in the United States, and a company that truly cares to help dancers dance longer and stronger. These compression socks make your feet feel amazing and are from a company you can trust. I love my Apollo shocks and wear them all the time during class, teaching, and even traveling. Give the gift of happy feet this season and use our promo code IMPACT10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Visit ApolloPerformance.com to learn more and grab your new favorite dance socks today. And listeners, we would be remiss if we didn't remind you about our Platinum Premium Podcast subscription. If you haven't already subscribed, what are you waiting for? We would love you to join now to receive exclusive content and monthly bonus episodes for members only. Our Platinum Premium subscription is for you, the diehard making the impact fan who wants to help support the podcast for years to come. And I do think there will be years to come. Membership perks include access to our Q&A live episodes, which release monthly only to Platinum Premium members the priority to have your questions answered on the Q&As, ad-free listening for all of season four, including previous episodes in season four if you're late to the party, free stickers mailed to you and your dancer, a discount on Making the Impact merchandise, and a discounted online critique from Courtney. And listeners, right now is the perfect time to do that because we're headed into the new year, we're headed into competition season. What better gift to give your dancer than a subscription to the podcast and getting that discounted online critique from the one and only Courtney Ortiz. And also we have, if you're a subscriber, you get a shout out on the podcast. So we would love to say thank you to um, a listener and a subscriber that I know and am grateful for her support. 
Thank you to Ellen Marshall, a studio owner, dance teacher, and dance parent from Off-Broadway Dance Center in Fulton, New York. Ellen says, I love making the impact and have recommended it to my dancers and their parents. I appreciate hearing other points of view about the dance competition world from dancers, parents, studio owners, and judges. I think it's especially beneficial for dance parents who don't often understand or appreciate the amount of work behind the dance and the three minutes on stage. Thanks for all you do to educate and encourage all of us. Yes, thank you, Ellen, and you're welcome. We are happy to do this. This is one of one of my highlights of my weeks every week was when we podcast. So if you would like to join the Platinum Premium membership, just like Ellen, head over to our website to join for $5 a month or pay a one-time fee for yearly access. Visit the website, impactdanceadjudicators.com slash platinum premium, or click on the link in our show notes. All right, listeners, it's time to jump on into this week's episode, our last episode of 2022. How exciting. And we are talking about the title division, the title category. I'm sure you've heard about it if you've been to a dance competition. There's usually a title division that you can potentially enter in. Maybe you're automatically entered in it. We're going to talk all about it today. It's a hot topic, I think. And we, like I mentioned previously, a lot of people in our Facebook group were excited to talk about title and, and there were conversations being had. So we were like, you know what? I, I went to Leslie and I said, we need to do this on the podcast. We haven't really talked about title. So here we are today with two brand new guests who are joining us on the podcast. And I'm excited to first up welcome a brand new judge to the IDA roster this season. And she's going to be bringing the studio owner perspective to this discussion on title. I'm very excited to welcome Maria Pomerlo to the podcast. Welcome, Maria. Hello, everybody. Nice to join IDA and this podcast. Yay! I'm super excited to have you on the roster this year and uh, hope that we are able to get you out and about in judging world. I know that you also judge for other competitions as well. So yay for that experience. Yes, I do. I'm a full-time adjudicator um, for a variety of companies outside of IDA and including IDA. And outside of that, um, I had a studio for a number of years, have since then closed and sold that off to one of my staff members. And here I am. Yes. And I'm sure that now you're able to like judge even more than previously, because obviously studio owner life is a lot. So it is a lot. I uh, judge typically between two and four weekends as a studio owner. But nowadays, I start mid-January and I don't stop until the end of May. You go, girl. Nice. Thank you. Keep it up. Whoa, that's a lot. I need, <laughs> it I is need a, a lot. <laughs> and thankfully, I'm podcasting before it actually begins. I could mm-hmm. not be on a May podcast. I wouldn't quite look as glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> or probably sound as glamorous. I mean, we're, no. we're like at the end of our rope with like verbal verbalizing anything by May. So <laughs> truly. Yeah. And you know what, though, it is fun to like hear how conversations evolve throughout the season, because we're not really in the season just yet. Like you said, we you're about to start judging. But then by the time like May comes around, and we're recording those episodes, judges are like heated, they have so much to <laughs> vent about so much to say, because they've been watching it for four months straight. So um, we have these nice fresh perspectives still as we head into the new year. Um, Maria, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our podcast listeners a little bit more about you, where you're based, your training, how you got into studio world and any credits and achievements you'd like to share. Like most people on this podcast, I started dancing when I was really young as a four-year-old growing up in Des Moines, Iowa, and actually a largely recreational studio, not having competed Um, until I was in high school. And guess I competed for title at that time. 
Uh, since then, I actually moved to the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and I taught for a number of years at Woodbury Dance Center in Woodbury, Minnesota, before opening my own studio across town called Lake Area Dance Center and owned that for about 15 years. I also instructed, believe it or not, seven days a week sometimes. Um, my expertise is typically in tap and musical theater and jazz, but I'm no stranger to teaching any style and certainly rehearsing any piece for competitive dance. And outside of that, I did close my studio in 2020. Yes, COVID. It was the best thing for me. And I have a subset of my alum students now with the dance unit um, based out of the same area that I owned. And actually, my most proud accomplishment has nothing to do with studio life. I'm a mom, an adult daughter who is actually a longtime dancer, competitively speaking and also now a dance team coach. And then I have a son who's an entire different world. He is a Muay Thai fighter. So wow. Yeah, very different. But that's me in a nutshell. And looking forward to heading out in January to judge. Yes. Wow. I love that. And that is so great. I mean, Minnesota, the dance world out there. Woo! It's it's fierce. Uh, yes, it is fierce. And in yeah. fact, many times when I judge, I will say like, there's this market, and then there's Minneapolis, yeah. like treat uh, it it's, as its own beast truly, in a way, correct. not meaning to sound elitist. But in Minnesota, there's really only two things to do. You play hockey, mm-hmm. yep. or you dance. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. <laughs> yep. It's so it's so interesting to hear that because I, I feel like there's definitely like, I feel that's sort of the same thing in Canada. Mm -hmm. The Canada dance scene kind of feels the same way where it's like everyone plays hockey or all the girls dance and that's just what you do. And everyone's just real good at everything they do (laughs) because they have the time to put into it because there's not all the extra things getting in the way. It's so cold that you want to stay inside and you want to (laughs) dance. That's all you can do because that's pretty much seven months of the year is uninhabitable. So spend it in a studio. Yeah, sweat. Sweat it out. (laughs) Well, it's awesome to have you here on this chat. Can't wait to hear your perspective. And thank you for joining us. Thanks. All right. And our next special guest is a longtime fan of IDA and the podcast. Uh, They've been using our online critique service for the past few years, and they always come sending us a bulk order, which is really exciting. So our judges are hard at work getting their dancers prepped for the season. They do pre-season critiques using our online critique service. And it's really awesome. I'm sure that they're going to tell you more about their experience with it. I'm grateful for her support. And then also I wanted to get a new, another perspective onto the podcast and a new guest. So I'm excited to welcome Dana Generet to the podcast. Welcome, Dana. Hello, hello. How is every, you know, everyone doing out here? We are doing <laughs> so good. Great. We are so ready for title talk. <laughs> I am so ready for title talk. Um, I think this is a great subject to get out to dancers and also parents, you know, mm. involved in the comp you know, world. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you, like where you're based, how you got into dance, what you're currently working on now, any credits you'd like to share. Tell us all about Dana. Well, as all of us, we start, you know, I started dancing at the young age of two. I grew up in the same studio from the age of two until I graduated high school at 17. I had the opportunity to start teaching dance at that studio when I was 15. I was able to, you know, have my own classes, which is really awesome. From there, I went and got my bachelor's in exercise science and minored in dance and did the whole dance team route. And I'm, you know, based in South Carolina. So I went to Winthrop University, got my degree there and did dance team. Then I also 
I was able to cheer professionally with the Carolina Panthers um, during my senior year of college, which was a whirlwind and a lot of fun, but <laughs> <laughs> but super awesome and was able you know, to learn so much. Then from there, I jumped into teaching dance again at a local studio in the area here. I am now currently teaching in Indianland, South Carolina at Dance U. Shout out to Dance U. Ooh. And I've been there for the past um, nine years working as a teacher to begin with. And then I've just been there to kind of help build the program. And now I am the comp director and I am in charge of, you know, running all things competition, you know, that we love at the studio. So that's kind of a little bit of my journey and how I got into the dance comp world on this side instead of being a dancer in it. And then currently I'm also an adjudicator for another company, um, not IDA, but I do have a little experience with judging dance competitions as well. So that's just a little of what I have going on. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I love it. And like I said, thank you for your support and and what we do over here at IDA and always sharing your students' uh, videos preseason with us. And I know our judges love seeing your dancers year after year. It's such a great tool to utilize and I'm grateful for your support. You know, it's it's just nice to have a fresh set of eyes take a peek at your dances Absolutely. and give a new perspective before you actually get the real judges critiques at competition. Absolutely. Especially when you've seen the pieces for so long. You know, a lot of these pieces, they learn them, you know, early in the season. So we have months and months to watch them. And you're, you know, your eyes do, you know, the bad parts, you know, the good parts. So you already know what right. to look for. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, in your opinion. So when you're able to get mm. fresh eyes, seeing it for the very first time and you're like, oh my goodness, I totally forgot to, you know, take a peek over there at this, you know? So right. it's just really nice to have fresh set of eyes on your things before it actually gets on stage. And then the kids just always like to know, you know, like, what do they think about it? You know? So mm-hmm. when they hear right. your comments, like it. exactly. <laughs> it's when they hear like, Ooh, I love this. And then they also gain a little bit of confidence before stepping on That's the stage, true. which I think is like the biggest benefit to getting the, the critiques beforehand. It's just that little bit of you got this mm. coming from somebody that, you know, doesn't see them day to day, week to week in the studio. So totally. Absolutely love it. I love that perspective. I, d- I didn't even really think of it like that. You know, I just think of the technical approach and everything, but then to just build their confidence and in a low stakes way because there's no score attached. It's just feedback. Exactly. So exactly. it's not like mm-hmm. I would have given this a triple titanium. Like, no, we don't need <laughs> to know that. It's mm-hmm. just more like here's some generalized feedback that will help you before you get that award you know, label. Right. Yes. And that's the biggest thing, you know, I try to focus on with the kids is we're not dancing for awards. You know, we're just dancing because we love it. And the feedback is going to help us, you know, hone in our craft and get even better. So I just focus on the feedback, the feedback, and it's helped them I feel like growing up a healthier, you know, way instead of being so. Well, in that way, their perspective becomes what what you want their perspective to be, which is the same as yours, which is we're not dancing for the award, we're dancing for the feedback. So exactly. if they kind of internalize that, you know, they can go on to anything else in their life with the feedback based mindset, not the what am I winning? What am I, you know, what's the thing I'm getting from this? Right. Where's my trophy? Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. So yes. Well, y'all, I'm so happy that you both are joining us today. And let's jump on in and talk all about title. Woo. Yay. Whew. What do you want to <laughs> go? I know. So much to talk well, about. Well, so much. I mean, I think the, so if listeners, many of you are dance parents to our guests, many of our listeners are dance parents. And a lot of times, um, you know, especially in like in anything, in anything we do, 
you know, there's specific aspects of it that are not necessarily well known to the general public. So if you've never been to a dance competition, you don't, maybe you don't know what title is. So Maria, maybe can you give us just a general idea of what title even is? Like, what does that even mean? Sure. In fact, I told one of my friends last night that I was doing this podcast and it was about title competition. And this person was a non-dancer mm. and they were interested in what I had to say. So I tried to practice last night <laughs> what exactly <laughs> is the title competition. Yeah. So hopefully I come off A+. plus. Um, for me, when I think of title, it's always involving a solo dancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely most often at the advanced levels, though there are competitions that do offer titles at the novice or the intermediate level, um, for lack of a better word, but most often at the advanced level. As an adjudicator, typically I'm judging them on a different set of attributes than what I might judge for their score. So for example, I might judge them for their score based on their technique, their performance, and their stage presence. But when I judge them for title, I'm also judging them for those things, but maybe other things like their choreography or their costuming, something that has a little bit more pageantry. And I will also say that depending on what level we're at, whether you're at a regional event earlier in your season or you're at a national event, sometimes the whole title competition can amp up in a way at a national event where you might be involving things like a headshot or an introduction of yourself, or some kind of improvisational element, or a masterclass. And ultimately, the goal of it is so that you earn this literal title. Sometimes it's Miss, sometimes it's Mr. In more recent Mm -hmm. times, I've seen a few competitions offer gender neutral um, Mm -hmm. titles as well. And you know, I do like that, actually, it makes it just a lot easier and approachable for anyone Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. to be in the title competition. And usually it comes complete with, you know, a set of prizes, those relics sure. yeah. that, yep. you know, a dancer likes, or maybe a parent likes, or both like the sash, the crown, the jacket, mm-hmm. the black, you yeah. name it. So long explanation. But to me, that's yeah. what I see is title at a competition. I think you covered mm-hmm. In every way, shape, or form. I mean, you nailed Thank that. A A A plus plus plus. Thanks. I try. I'm here to impress people. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I think everyone will have a, a new understanding of what title means. And and like you kind of mentioned, it's it varies by competition. Even like not even just on the regional and national level, but even just every single competition company is completely different with their expectations mm-hmm. of what title is and what that means. You bet. And that means read the fine print, friends, when you decide to enter title. Totally. Because you don't quite know what the qualifier is and what you're being judged on. And ultimately, like, the value that's held by the competition in the title. Right, right. Dana, are you, as the director of your competition team, do you have experience um, entering any kids in title? Have you guys done that portion of competition in your experience? Yes, we have. And we've done it almost on accident at some competitions. <laughs> uh-huh. and, <laughs> and when I say on accident, it's because sometimes the title, it's like you have to sign up for the title portion of the competition beforehand. They will not take any entries, you know, oh. at this, you know, they're on the spot. Mm. So usually you have to pre-register for a title. Sometimes you just have to get a qualifying score to be able to compete title at a certain at nationals. So mm. it's, you know, you get your title at nationals. So by 
qualifying, I've had students just kind of question me, like, what is this? You know, right, and right. I'm like, you know, <laughs> honestly, I, <laughs> I, I kind of, you know, I had to do research as well because growing up, I did not compete title. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I gave a, a small like, oh, you know, that's just, you know, it's for nationals. If you want to win, you know, top, you know, junior dancer or, you know, mini dancer. But I'm like, I'll send your mom more details. So I had to go home right. and research myself. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So then I send out, you know, basically what Maria said, you know, that, you know, depending on the competition, these are the stipulations. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you have to do to qualify and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So right. we've done it, but we don't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. One, because every competition does it a little bit differently. If we don't go to your nationals, then I tell your parent, the parents, there's really no need in us, you right. know, doing national or doing the title portion because it's, we're not going to go to their nationals. Yep. If we go to the nationals and they have a program where, you know, they're looking for a little bit more, like maybe an interview question, maybe you have to do a little bit of community service and show what you've done. You have to take a masterclass when there's like multiple steps. And I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is great. I will, Mm -hmm. you know, give you the information and you guys can do it. If it's just a separate score sheet, but no different feedback and there's no, there's no, there's really no prestige, I think behind it, then I'll tell the Mm -hmm. parents we won't bother. And, you know, we'll, if they want that experience, we'll find a different program for them and try to get, get them into that if that's what you're looking for. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that Again, it differs from competition to competition, but like you, like Maria was saying, when you're, when you're judging title, sometimes you are given a completely different rubric of, of how to score it or what to look at. But occasionally you're not giving feedback. You're giving a score and that's all you're giving for title. And so Dana, like you're saying, like, you know, if, if you're going into a competition looking for feedback and the title portion of it doesn't give you feedback, it gives you a score and that's all. Is that really worth the entry fee if what you're looking for is feedback? So I think that is something really important when, you know, teachers and parents are considering, okay, are we entering title at this competition? Really find out what they're offering as the result of entering. Because if it's just you got a 95 and a sash, like, well, that's a piece of fabric and a number. (laughs) I will say, like Dana said, I do allow or did allow my dancers to enter into title. There were always unique situations where I would have a kid, typically they were younger, and they would express wanting to enter into title. And I usually would take pause. I mean, there's nothing wrong with your kid having this like motivation to, you know, add another relic or get some sense of achievement by getting this title. But often as a studio owner, when a young person asked, there was usually something underneath that they were Mm -hmm. really asking. And it's like, what is it that really is your goal? There's something specific, maybe measurable that really we should be going after first before you enter that title. So I always had a moment of pause. Of course, if you want to enter, great. But maybe it was a checking point, especially at the younger ages for me to say, Mm -hmm. okay, what do you really want to achieve? There might be a goal related to flexibility or to technique Mm -hmm. or to being recognized in a special way. Maybe a special award is suffice and that doesn't necessarily take any more money. And then as a teacher, it's important to recognize that. Don't just, you know, mark up the competition fee or anything and enter them on their behalf without taking pause of saying, well, you know, look out for your kid. 
Sure. And, and, you know, but I'm not saying don't do it. Um, As a studio owner, I loved when my kids earned title. What a great way to promote uh, my studio on its own social media, for example. It really did help build my reputation. So yeah, uh, for me, it was like, of course, I let them enter like Dana, but there was always something underneath Mm -hmm. that they were trying to get after. Well, you know, the title, I mean, you have to think about, um, I I have a lot of thoughts on title. I grew up doing it, actually, uh, back in the day. And winning it. And don't be shy. That is true. I I think I won it occasionally. I mean, the one time I did was StarQuest, and we just had Steve Wapple on the podcast on, and I hope everyone listened to that Levels episode because it was such a great discussion, but like, it was always a goal of mine to win title at nationals and finally did. And remember, if you've listened, that was pre-levels, everybody. So, uh, you know, winning a title at nationals was a huge achievement. But even back then, I was kind of like, this feels a little gimmicky to me because you're entering into title and you're paying a separate entry fee to have a s- essentially a separate competition. Like it's like a, mm-hmm. its own individual competition for the title division. And at this in particular event and some others, like there wasn't anything extra. There wasn't anything else you had to do. You just had to, you pick your, if you have three solos, you have to pick which one you're entering title and that one's eliminated from high score overalls. So you would usually put your dance that felt like more like, you know, presentation and, and uh, theatrical or maybe expressive and, or emotional lyrical, you know, you want like that powerhouse lyrical dance to win title. And then you're like super technical, like abstract contemporary might take first overall. So you're trying to like hit mm-hmm. both overalls in the title division and the, and the first overall. But again, it also depends on like who shows up for title and. Right. And, w- and which dance they pick. Exactly. Because yes. that yeah. could be a determined <laughs> yeah. factor. That's, like exactly. you might have picked the wrong dance for title because based on like yeah. you said, Maria, like the different things that we're looking for as judges, like again, hopefully that's explained and laid out on the competition's websites like sometimes i don't think it is like you said dana you're like i just happened to get my kids were entitled i didn't even know like how they got into the category but, like there should be a, a explanation as to, like what the expectations are for the title division what that means maybe like recommendations on like how to best approach this division because i th- there are so many times where i've been a judge and i've been like wow this dancer is amazing but they had the wrong dance and title i wish that dance was right. entitled and this right. one was for overalls but like they just didn't know and again, like, how are they going to learn that feedback if we're just giving them a regular score? Like, I might mention it on the critique, but. Well, for me, as a studio owner, the title portion of the competition actually helped guide which competitions I chose in the first place. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I tended not to frequently pick competitions where you could register for title day of mm-hmm. right. that required a separate fee or that Mm. only involved one routine. Mm. So there are competitions out there where you have to do multiple solos, and perhaps that combined score helps you earn title. Like that. Um, I also tended to bias my studio towards um, title competitions that had something above and beyond. Now, excuse me, I do Mm. come from a pageant world Mm. outside of (laughs) dance. But there is something to be said if in the title competition, you have to introduce yourself because you will have Mm -hmm. to do that in audition. It's a transferable Mm -hmm. skill. Absolutely. If you have to uh, do a little bit of an improvisational Mm -hmm. element, because there's going to be times where, say, a guest choreographer comes in your studio and says, show me what you can do. Yep. 
Yep. Um, if you will, or if there is master classes associated with it. So it's not just about, right. I really know how to hit a contemporary solo with all these tricks and skills. But by the way, I can also show my proficiency in tap, musical theater, mm-hmm. ballet technique. Yeah. So I tended to go towards those where I had more life skills I could transfer totally beyond the world of dance and tended to just get away from the, oh, I can register day of, oh, I pay this extra fee. Right. And now I get a separate score. Right. Just my opinion. Hey, listeners. If you haven't heard about Apollo Performance and their amazing compression socks for dance, then I highly recommend you checking them out now. I've been wearing Apollo shocks for the past few years, and I absolutely love how they feel on my feet. I wear them while I'm taking class, teaching at convention, and even on planes while I'm traveling. They have revolutionized the dancer footwear industry by providing the benefit of a shoe with the comfort of a sock. Apollo shocks are designed with patented targeted compression to help support and stabilize your arches and ankles. By wearing Apollo shocks, you are reducing the risk of inflammation that occurs during class and helps enhance circulation for post-class recovery. One of my favorite features about their socks is you have the option to select traction or non-traction on the ball of the foot. With traction, you'll be able to stay connected and more grounded to the floor and eliminates the slippery sock feeling while dancing on Marley, which is a game changer when dancing in socks. And something else I love about Apollo Performance besides their life-changing footwear is the community they have built for dancers. They have tons of resources, free classes, blogs, educational videos, and a weekly series focused on changing the culture of dance for the betterment of our minds, bodies, and souls. If you don't follow them on Instagram or TikTok, I highly recommend you checking them out at Apollo Performance and join their incredible community of health and wellness. Grab your pair of Apollo Shocks now for you and your dancer by visiting their website and using our exclusive podcast promo code. Use the code IMPACT10 in all caps for 10% off at ApolloPerformance.com. Dance longer, dance stronger with Apollo Performance. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think that like a lot of people have caught on to that as well. Like a lot of people, at least experienced parents, studios, teachers have kind of been like, we're not going to do the gimmicky, you win, a, you automatically win a, a crown title entry. We're going to, we're going to allow our dancers to enter into title when there's something more to it, when there's that headshot mm-hmm. edition, when there's the class aspect, when there's the improv challenge, when there's something that takes multiple things and accumulates it into one overall final total package score that feels worth it to me like i love how title has evolved through the years since i did it 20 years ago because like i said it was kind of just like we just paid an extra entry fee to win a crown like you know it's it's definitely gotten it's it's evolved like you said with a lot of like i love the idea of the two multiple solos like showing versatility are you excelling at both styles how did you do like I love when there's a headshot involved because everyone has a different expectation for what a headshot's supposed to look like. And like usually the people on a judging panel have had headshots done or used them professionally. So actually can give like, maybe don't print it on super glossy paper. Maybe we're past black and white. Maybe it shouldn't be a... um, Maybe not your hands. Yeah, maybe maybe not a glamour shot. Maybe it's too airbrushed. Mm -hmm. Maybe this shouldn't be an iPhone photo. Like, there's so many... That's a whole separate (laughs) podcast episode. How to get an awesome headshot at an affordable price. Okay, I'm writing it down. It's not on your iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, On the portrait mode, like, they snapped it for the... (laughs) (laughs) That ain't it, friend. Oh, that ain't it, kid. Oh, Lord, that's hilarious. 
I want to talk a little bit about, so, so let's say we're thinking about entering a dancer in a title competition that does have a little more to it than just, you know, ending up there. Dana, what are you thinking in terms of how to best prepare those dancers? You know, what, what are you doing maybe a little bit differently to prepare a dancer for title than you would just for their regular run-of-the-mill solo? I am definitely, um, kind of like Maria said, I'm focused more on the pageantry of their performance. Mm-hmm. We are working on stage presence. We are working on, are you well-spoken when giving a presentation? Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of my students have had to give a presentation before. So we had to talk about how you should stand when mm-hmm. you're in front of an audience and you're not right. dancing. Dancers right. do not know how to stand still. We <laughs> hate it. <laughs> so in order to, you know, no fidgeting, no um, stepping side to side, you know, doing a little two step right. while you're giving your presentation. So <laughs> focusing on more of, you know, piggybacking off of what Maria said, you know, more skills that are transferable, like outside of dance, you know, mm-hmm. you have to know how to talk in front of a crowd, you have to know how to carry yourself in, in a room full of, you know, peers, you know, it helps you with your mm-hmm. networking. So are you going to be sure. standoffish when you're doing the audition class? Or are you going to be in right. there encouraging others, you know, making eye, mm-hmm. contact, eye contact when you look at the teacher? And mm-hmm. there's just a lot of more um, etiquette. And, you know, we're not just focused on your dancing. We're, you know, it's yeah. total package. What are you, what are you able to show off, not just on the dance floor, but in different areas, you know? So. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, that's so valid. Yeah. I feel like I love the idea and the concept of the class taking and like almost like if it's class taking or if it's an audition class, like I think that's a great element to a title competition. And I think that we would typically see this more in like the national level because like we know at regionals, there's not a lot of time to do classes, but to have people observing how you take class, I think that's a really important and important skill because We say it and we've said it on the podcast, I'm sure, before, but like as professionals, if that's something you want to go on to do as a professional dancer, people are watching you the moment you walk into the audition room and they are watching how you learn the choreography, not just when you're auditioning. So like class taking skills are important. (laughs) I totally agree. I mean, in life, 99% of what you do is about the process of doing it. And it isn't necessarily about the product, meaning Mm. the dance routine. So I want to know, I would rather reward the people that I know I want to spend 12 hours in a rehearsal with because they take class really well. They learn really fast. They say thank you when you give some feedback. So I like that aspect of a title competition because ultimately it translates to, oh, I want to spend time with this person. Mm -hmm, Right. They really are an exemplary person. Right. Well, and the titleists, sometimes at some competitions, part of the award is you get to be the assistant mm. at the convention. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, same thing. You, I, I wouldn't want to give that position to somebody who rehearsed a dance for nine right. months and did that dance really well. Great point. But they can't take a class and can't pick up choreography and can't regurgitate it immediately because that's what an assistant has to do. Right. right. So, like, you know, being able to make sure that your titleist is well-rounded, you know, mm. before they come into the competition, because that could be part of it. That's, like, such a huge factor in... Uh, me as a convention teacher, I see them on Friday in in their solos blowing my mind. And I can, I I say on the critique, I cannot (laughs) wait to see you in class. And then not everybody, but like occasionally it's just a complete epic fail once they get in the class because they don't know how to pick up choreography quick. They aren't focused. They don't know how to pay attention. They're not paying attention to details. They need everything spoon fed Mm. and handed to them 
or rehearsed mm. over and over and over. And it's preach, like, Courtney, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing as title. Like if that, if that, I think that's such a great point, Leslie, because I've worked for a previous convention where it was, if you won a certain level at like, you know, right. first through third at regionals, then you get to yeah. be an assistant Boom. for You're the, the assistant. conventions. Yeah. And then yeah. like, I don't know how you work in in that in that setting. It's a very it's two right. different things. Competition and class or taking like, is two different things. You don't take tap, but now you're the assistant and you have to help me teach <laughs> right. tap. Like no, right? No, absolutely not. Like also be well rounded. Take tap. <laughs> so amen. I love I love the versatility aspect. Like again, like going back to that idea of like having multiple solos. But like in in that scenario, if that's part of the title division then I do think that there should be some type of rule that says it has to be like two contrasting solos because we all know yeah. that every dancer has multiple solos and most of the time they're th- truly the exact same solo with a different song and a different costume. It is very frustrating because many times the title winner, if it's based on two solos or more, it's in the contemporary and the open mm-hmm. category mm-hmm. Right. or right. the contemporary and the lyrical, <laughs> lyrical. category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Personally, if I had a child who had multiple solos and that was the qualifier for title, one of them had to either be tap or musical mm-hmm. theater because I felt totally. that as much contrast as I can give compared to the contemporary, which I will say, like, it wins more, at least in Minnesota, sure. it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we would always try to find if they had multiple solos, how to show versatility yeah. beyond just potentially in a class setting, um, trying to earn title, that said. I think speaking of that, too, it's important to remind the listeners that title encompasses you don't have a title. You don't have a lyrical title winner, a contemporary title winner. You have the title winner of the senior category. Mm -hmm. So that means your tap solo is competing against her contemporary solo against his jazz solo. And so you're not necessarily, you know, occasionally and I love it when this happens, a tap solo is going to win senior title or whichever level. And people are get all up in arms about like, well, but the contemporary showed all of this and you're like, yeah, but the tap, mm-hmm. like there's just no comparison with the, the, you know, dynamics and the rhythms and the whatever. And if they're selling it, you know. And if they're selling yeah. it. And so I, th- I think people really need to mm-hmm. remember, again, that is, that is a thing to think about when you're choosing your title solo. Mm-hmm. Think about who else might be there because fierce, phenomenal tap dancer might be there and your contemporary dance, which might be very good, but like isn't engaging or exciting or or fresh, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. that that plays into it. I think it's also important to pay attention if they award a separate miss from a mister mm. versus just one right. title. Point, right. Because let's get Dancer real. Of the year or whatever. <laughs> if you're going to compete for miss, you're going to have, you know, 50 to 100 girls competition. going after that. If you're competing for mister, mm. four, four, maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. maybe. And, it goes both ways. Sometimes that Mr. Title is truly outstanding, but sometimes if he had competed with all genders, yep. yeah. mm-hmm. he wouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't hold a yeah. candle, yeah. And so it's <laughs> yeah. just something to think about when you're entering title. It's just like for all the sexes, I tend to be like just award one title for the strongest mm-hmm. dancer, totally. if you will. Yeah. Or I see that that's kind of in transition right now in the dance competition it is. world. It is, yeah. yeah. It isn't necessarily there yet. But me, I, I competed for title in 1992, people. <laughs> and right. so it was strictly Miss and a Mr. Yep. And I always would look at the Mr. counterparts. Okay, two people. You have a 50% chance <laughs> right. of yep. winning. And here I am with 
111 different girls. Mm-hmm. So that gives me less than 1% chance. Right. Uh, I know. It's Oof. so much more competitive for me. <laughs> and like that's yeah. us in the industry all the time as as female yeah. dancers. I mean, that's just the reality of it. There are quadruple the amount of females dancing in this industry than there are males. And I do agree. I think we should eliminate the gender titles of the title competition and just have it be the top dancer of the year, the top titleist, best title dancer, the end, whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't think that it is fair at all. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, boys and dancing, yay, we're pr-, like, you know, we're showcasing boys. I'm like, that's great. They're there. They're, we're going to, they're going to do great. Like, they're going to be fine. I think that it's unfair if the, the ratio, you know what I mean? Like what you just said. And it's, it's just, it's just more yeah. inclusive yes. too because every yeah. once in a while you're going to come across a non-binary dancer. Right. As right. A, exactly. As yeah. Who wants to compete in title. Right. <laughs> right. Who wants to compete in title. And for me, right. it always comes across as uncomfortable where mm-hmm. I can't necessarily yeah. discern. Are you competing right. for Miss? Are you competing for mm-hmm. Mr? Or are you non-binary? Let's get real. Right. And yeah, so right. I just would rather just judge the dancer's performance and not have in my mind what is their identity. Right. I just right. want to yeah. see the right. show. I just want to be entertained, um, if you will. So I agree more. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Courtney. I would love just a dancer of the year. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. this yeah. as long as you are dancer of the year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. I hope that our industry continues. Some companies have started it, and I hope more catch on. I yeah. I feel like that they need to move a little faster at that. But you know, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're trying everything. Everything in time, I yeah. guess. <laughs> so, title. Another thing that I really enjoy about again, we're speaking on the titles that have like more to it is improv that you hinted at earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, these life skills. I think that's what is a pro about title is when the competition has actually like sat down and thought about our title competition. You know, to me, there are a lot of competitions out there where it's a money grab. And I'm not even like, I'm sorry if this is offensive to any competition owner listening, but if, if you're hurt by it, then you know it's true because it's, if there, you're not bringing anything else to the title division besides it's a separate category and you have to pay an extra $50 so you can, and that money is going towards you winning a sash and a crown. Cool, I guess. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that want that win. And and that's the other thing. There's a lot of dancers who maybe aren't really top 10 dancers who are entering into title because it's an automatic win for them. Because all of the top 10 dancers are like, Psh, title's a joke. I'm not doing it. And they don't want to. And you you do see you that do a lot. See it. And it's like. It's it's a it's a very strange phenomenon as a judge when you're watching mm-hmm. the most the very best dancers you've ever seen that weekend and you're like wait why why is she not in title mm-hmm. and then you look at the people who've entered title and you're like okay this doesn't make any sense if you're thinking of title as being an elite right. opportunity or an, or an opportunity for the elite mm-hmm. dancers it feels like it has been switched and I don't quite understand like how we got here. Except for the fact, like you said, Courtney, unfortunately, it is another way to make money. But the people who I think back in the 90s used to compete in title, you know, and, and would there'd be 111 kids in your category. They've realized that. Right. They're like, well, I don't I don't on. need that sash or that jacket. Right. Because it's not real. There's nothing real to it. It's a, it's a thing I've won. And it really cost me $50. Really, what you did is you paid $50 for a jacket. Right. 
Well, they do it at all sorts of things outside of dance too. I mean, let's That's talk about like true. Miss USA and Miss America. Yeah. They have a they have a yeah. people's choice, and you pay for your vote. Really? So do you? Right. Yes. So do you really want to pay? to become a finalist. Wow. It, it happens outside of dance too. Interesting. And, but for me as a studio owner, it was, I'm, I, I played both sides. I'm willing to admit yeah. that there were times where I would show up at a competition and I'd be like only three people entered in advance for title. Right. Let me put somebody mm. in here. Let's let see. me put somebody yeah. in mm-hmm. here. Or if somebody would ask me, Hey, can I enter title? I wouldn't hesitate. And I would allow them to enter title and even if I was enabling mm. the problem, mm-hmm. if you will, yeah. of it being a cash grab. So I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's great. I, yeah. I, I played the game too. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and if their parents were willing to invest in that, then fine. And they'll get a second score maybe reflective on title. I will say that I often ended up back in the classroom and they'd be like, well, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. They don't even know. Like, <laughs> they don't even know. You, got a, you got a 91. That's what it means. <laughs> you got yeah. a 20 out of 20 on the costume portion of your score. Thank your mom. That's what it means. Right. She rhinestoned right. the, the yeah. living out of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's kind of where, where it's evolved. And, and again, I, I think that what is important and especially for like a lot of the competitions that, you know, might be listening and hearing our title chat, like, I think we're at a point now where there needs to be more included in the title division. Like, I think everyone has caught on to the fact that like, okay, this could be like an easy win. This could be a, a quick little money grab. This could be an opportunity for a dancer who usually doesn't get in the top 10 to be acknowledged and recognized. But they're walking away with this beautiful crown and top score overall first place dancer is you're just getting a plaque and, you know, don't get to post those achievements of title when title only had five competitors in it. Like, you know, it, it's right. just... Well, and maybe there was no minimum score to achieve title. Sometimes mm. at competitions, if there's one person in title, they win title. Right. It's an automatic because win. That's, like, that's ridiculous. There, there was never, you know, there was never like, oh, you have to get a 95 or up or whatever it is to, to win title. And that's where I think is, that's the unfortunate piece of it. Is And that's what happens with, you know, the kids who don't enter because they're like, well, it doesn't, you know, I would have swept title if it mattered to me, but I'm going to stay over here in my overalls right. and like right. get first overall. And that matters to me right. because if, if anybody can just win title based on whatever the highest score of that division mm-hmm. is, that highest score could be an 89. You know, it's like we don't know mm-hmm. based on who's entering. So that's that's when it kind of gets a little bit devalued. Mm hmm. I guess, like, what does title even mean if the highest score of the title division was a 90? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. You know, I don't know. And if their solo didn't place in overalls. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Because that so means that their technique wasn't up world. to par against the rest of the competition. So most likely their technique score, if they didn't place in the top 10, that means that there was better technicians ahead of them because usually your technique score is mm-hmm. weighted the most, most often. And maybe they're an exceptional performer. So maybe that's how they ended right. up winning title because it is a little bit more about that theatrical performance quality. But if they were a technician, they would have been in top 10 and would have placed higher. You know, so it's, it right. is, it is interesting to see like how that plays out. And I just think that a lot of people have, you know, have been like, I'm not going to spend the extra money for what? A crown. Like I'd rather earn my first place against everyone. And like with that being said, I think, uh, what are your perspectives on title for different levels of dancers? Do we think that, like you mentioned, Maria, like back in the day, it was mainly for advanced dancers. But now I think there's a lot of competitions that have opened up the actual title division, like not the title. There's some competitions that 
you quote unquote win title by winning first overall like it's like combined you know what I mean like you don't have to pay extra to enter title you like still get the crown and the sash and the whatever if you win first overall um but then do we feel like that should be you like in every division or should it be like more prestigious and only for higher skilled dancers and the advanced level uh, I wish you would have panned to my face as you were asking this question <laughs> because it was really telling. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's get frank. If you want, it, title should really be for the most advanced, versatile dancers. I really am opposed to awarding a title at a novice and intermediate and advanced level. Then it just becomes about how many different awards mm-hmm. can we give mm-hmm. at a competition so that everybody feels good. Right. You know, I do want my dancers to have their confidence. I don't want them to walk away from a competition crushed, but I would rather they have a day where they didn't win and it wasn't their day than to see, you know, a plethora of awards being given out. So for me, title really should be reserved for like the absolute pinnacle of the dancer who can do multiple styles, who is in the overall separate from title who you know, based on the rules that hopefully everyone's following, by the way, (laughs) is studying, you know, 10 plus hours a week in their home studio. And, you know, and I would just love to see it just have so much more meaning by Mm. eliminating, dare I say, a lot of people from even qualifying. Mm. So I I just, I, I am not a fan of the, you know, novice, junior miss Mm -hmm. at such and such competition. Yeah. Um, Because I think that just is going to exacerbate some other issues we have within the dance competition industry about the abusive levels. Yep. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. I feel like if you're going to be miss whatever dancer of the year, then you should absolutely be the best all around. And if you are the best all around, you probably are training a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and if you're and it's a weird thing about levels, you know, all of us grew up with no levels. Mm-hmm. So the levels, it's really not mind blowing, but it's just, you know, it's new. So we are working the system to like, make sure everybody has a place to fit and everybody feels included. But I do think if you're going to win, you know, top dancer of the year, you should be, it should be the best dancer. And it you can't have three best because you uh, intermediate, uh, you know, novice, intermediate and advanced then who's really the best so or maybe if comps like combined like if title was completely separate like truly separate like whereas it's an entire division that any level can enter but you're all against each other you know levels are thrown out the window when it comes to the title division and you're judging with this criteria and there's these expectations and there's this and that but if you're an intermediate dancer and you want to enter in title you might be up against the advance and you might come in second. You never know because you don't know who's entering. You can't. But I agree. I don't think that it is smart or necessary for competitions to be awarding title in every division. It's turning into automatic handouts of trophies and crowns. And it's then making dancers look like that they're, you know, I, I'm a winner and I'm one and I won first place and I won title when it was pretty much you paid to win. and. Would you, you, right. you didn't even make. And or there was nobody else in the category. Right. Like and, so many you factors. Know, Great Aunt Sally doesn't know that. You post that on Facebook and she thinks right. you're the very, she thinks you won Miss Absolutely. America. Like you, she, <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's just not that. I think it creates a false sense of reality. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a hundred percent room 
for your novice and intermediate level kids to feel valued and feel special and feel like they've done a good job and feel proud of themselves without having to give them the first place overall of the whole competition and or title, you know, that's you're not there right. yet. And let me be really real. Sometimes you're not going to ever be there. I did not make it to Broadway. Am I sad? Yes. But like that is reality and you just deal with it. And so like, no, some of us are not going to win title. Right. <laughs> like, And it's by just the way, the way it is. <laughs> and by the way, if you're trying to make it on Broadway, I never had anybody ask me, did you win a title? <laughs> Right. Nobody cares. Right. It doesn't matter. Listen, that jacket is real nice. Like the jacket's so nice. I'm jealous of all of you dancers of the year who have the fancy jacket. Like I want that so bad, even as a 37 year old adult. But it's not for me. I did not win it. And also, Broadway doesn't care. <laughs> they just Broadway don't care, uh, yeah. at all. I mean, I've seen it occasionally listed as a one line on a child performer. A child's resume, right. exactly. A child performer's resume. Because there's nothing else. At a national level only, it should yeah. ever be listed. Like, I, because that, it, again, there's, if you won regional and there was a hundred entries and there was two people entitled, do not put that on your resume. I mean, there are so, I think we're going to, we, I think we have to have a headshot and resume episode, Leslie. Like, I think we oh, have to do yeah, that. Thanks for that. Idea. Because there have been a lot of discussions on like, what should we put on a resume? And like, is title what you put on your resume? Like, I don't really need to know your competition achievements on your professional resume and personally. So I do think if you're a kid, and this would definitely go into like the episode, but you know, if you're a kid and you're auditioning for your your middle school production of The Music sure. Man, sure, put your title yes. on. on you've got to have something. There's nothing there. Yes. You know, danced at Mrs. So-and-so's dance studio for seven years. Proficient in ballet, tap, and jazz, one teen miss whoever, but whatever, like, junior miss whoever. That's fine. But that's like got to go once you kind of advance in your life. Eventually, it should leave yeah, your right. resume. <laughs> 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 Even though I don't know Dana well, I bet that, you know, we do want them to enter title because we have to write bios as adjudicators. And it does mean sure. something if Dana side, and yeah. I can go out and say, you know what? We have raised national mm-hmm. title winners. Right. We have yes. raised yes, dancers absolutely. of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, for it sure. does. It, there is a win for us as mm-hmm. adjudicators. It sounds like we're poo-pooing it across the board. We're right. not. It does help your resume in very unique circumstances. And sure. it does help a studio's reputation, a competition director's, yeah. com- you know, uh, reputation and our bios to know yeah. that, you know, if we're going to evaluate you, we should know what we're talking about. So right, right. absolutely. That, that phrase matters mm-hmm. uh, as Definitely. an adjudicator. It, it's included in mine. And in fact, when yeah. Courtney asked before the podcast to send some pictures, I didn't send pictures of me. I sent pictures of my national title <laughs> yeah. winners. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yes. And I'm glad you made that point, Maria, because, you know, our students' achievements definitely mean a lot for the studio and for your reputation as a teacher and a coach. So you do, as much as you don't like your students to focus on the wins and the trophy, you kind of do have to show it off sometimes. You know, you want people to know like, hey, you know, we are actually, you know, doing what we're supposed to be doing. And the kids are achieving the goals that, you know, we're setting for him, for them here in the studio. Mm -hmm. You know, so people will want to come and take class with you and learn from you and understand that, you know, you do know what you're talking about. Really? Um, right. So I definitely Those are great you know, points. Yeah. See that point as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, all, all of it's great points. But I definitely think it should be an incentive for the higher level. You know, if you're if you're stuck in intermediate, 
and you're just chilling there winning first and intermediate and there's not a title division at intermediate, maybe that should be like the motivation if that's your goal to like win title, like push you to that advanced level. Like I do agree. And then I think that, you know, with that, if competitions approached it like that and only having that in the highest division or as an as a division on its own entirely, then those achievements will be even more meaningful when they're in your bios and being able to say your studio accolades that my dancer won title because everyone across the board in the industry will know that that was at the highest level and that and that matters. But like the competitions who are kind of doing the everybody gets a trophy and everyone's a winner and we're awarding this and offering this in you know, something as a novice or a recreational, it's like, they're just there to have fun. Like they're just, they want to get out there and put their dance, like put their dance on stage, get in their costumes, wave at mom as they bow and like have a good time. (laughs) Do we need a title division? Like, no, I don't think we do. It's not, it's not the point of that actual level at competition. Right. Well, and even with like novices, like, you know, should a novice dancer have multiple no, solos? No, it should be a rule that they shouldn't. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. So, like, there's there a should separate be a podcast. Yes. Yet another idea. Yes. <laughs> I'm writing it down. <laughs> How many solos is too many solos? Oh, oh gosh, that's so hurt. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do that one. I mean, we've definitely done like a how to take your solo to the next level, and I've vented many times on that podcast about yeah. how we don't need multiple solos. But I think that's a that's a great one. Although there are some competitions where the title qualifier is to have at least two solos because either you need to evaluate both solos for an aspect of versatility or they Mm -hmm. need to be separate. So it's not that, you know, it shouldn't exist, but definitely I do see the excess and sometimes at the lower level, it just doesn't make sense. I will say though, when going back to what you were saying, Courtney, about like having an intermediate title, it was common for me, my studio it's teens and seniors were largely operating at the elite level, but my juniors and my petites were novice to intermediate level. And sometimes those younger ages would start to ask about entering title. And rather than literally entering title just at the value, it at least gave me a clue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what the dancer wants from their dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe sure. it's time to evaluate, like, are there extra classes that they can take in order to right. study more and reach that mm-hmm. goal? Or if a parent asks, it helps me understand a little bit more about my client and what they may want for their dancer, whether it's a great parent or a high maintenance Mm -hmm. parent, at least to have more information when someone at the intermediate or novice level starts to express an opinion about wanting to enter. And it also helps me start conversations about extrinsic rewards like the title and the sash and intrinsic awards like Dana was talking about earlier just we're here to love dance Mm -hmm. and how do I how do I help them get more after the intrinsic things the the self-motivating things you know Mm -hmm. what I mean totally well Leslie how are you feeling I feel like we talked a lot about title yeah I, (laughs) I mean there's always more to say as usual but I think I would love to just hear a little a little snippet last thoughts from both of you that's usually how we have our episodes lead out is just a small last last thing from each of you about title um any advice or thoughts you'd like to give to the dancers the parents studio owners just about the topic i say if you're a parent out there and um the title portion of the competition is something that you're interested in or your child is i think um like maria said definitely talk to your teacher about it first get their opinions on it, and then 
kind of dig into the reasoning behind why your child wants that or why that's something that you may want as a parent. If it's because, you know, you just want your kid to have the opportunity to have a crown, then maybe that's not the best pressure to put on your kid, you know? Or if it's because your kid sees that if you are going to these competitions where title really does hold a lot of value because you had to, you know, work really hard to earn it. And that's the thing that, you know, the kid is like, you know, I want that. I want to, you know, put in that work to get that, you know, that prestigious award because I had to work hard for it, you know, just understanding why they want it. And then if it's something that you're willing to go on that journey with, with your student, I say, absolutely, you know, um, foster them and help them get to where they want to go. Cause that is our job as dance educators to help kids find their way and find what it is that they want to do with their dancing. And we, you know, have to help them along as best we can. So that's my little two cents on that. <laughs> I liked your two cents. Um, as it's for worth me- a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> as for me, gosh, I would definitely say there's nothing wrong with wanting to enter title for any sense of achievement, even if it is enter day of for this extra fee. I mean, it can be a confidence booster to your dancer to win it, even if it really doesn't mean a lot. It helps to start boost that boosting that confidence. In the long run, though, I really would advise competition studio directors or parents or dancers to think about the meaning of title and that the competition itself should be really involved. You do want them to have to introduce themselves or interview. I mean, that translates to just getting a job in life. You do want them to have an improv aspect potentially because that helps them learn how to react on their feet and in real time, whether it's in the dance world or in a corporate setting as adults. You know, you do want to have a performance aspect, their routine. You want to know that they're confident when they're given material. And you do want to know about like how they take class. Like what's their etiquette like? Are they polite students? Do they take corrections? Are they versatile students? Because, you know, we have to spend time with people all of our lives and you want to find people that you want to spend time with. And to find those kind of competitions that offer those various aspects, it's just going to make for better adults in general and more meaning to the title achievement itself. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode all about the title division at competition. Be sure to follow our special guests on social media. You can find Maria at Maria Pomerlo and Dana at Dana underscore Delisa. Don't forget to follow Making the Impact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want more exclusive episodes, support our podcast by joining our Platinum Premium membership for only $5 a month. Subscribers receive free Making the Impact stickers, shoutouts live on the air, ad-free listening, and exclusive access to our Q&A episodes for members only. Join now at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash platinum premium or click the link in our show notes. Be sure to check out IDA-affiliated competition, Axis Dance Competition, where Linda Diamond's years of experience brings you the vitality of a new beginning. Teachers, studio owners, dancers, and parents have shared what they want in a dance competition, and Axis is here to deliver. This innovative yet traditional event promises to be a combination of fun, professionalism, and passion. Axis is eager to provide every performer with an opportunity to celebrate dance. With events in Las Vegas, Boise, Pittsburgh, New Mexico, Montana, and South Dakota, their 2023 season is going to be their best season yet. 
Full panels of IDA judges are used at every AXIS event to offer constructive, quality feedback and scoring. To learn more about AXIS Dance Competition and to register for an upcoming event, head to their website now at AXISDanceCompetition.com. Stay tuned for more great episodes coming your way this season, including competition trends, stage fright, and our next Spotlight feature. We would like to wish all of the dance families around the world a very happy new year. We'll see you in 2023. Until then, keep dancing.